The Connected Hospital is a podcast that covers current topical news and trends about health IT, new technologies in the industry, and the challenges faced in today's fast-paced hospital and healthcare environment. This podcast is targeted for health IT leaders inside and outside of the hospital. Now for our host, John Mason, and today's episode. Hello, everyone. My name is John Mason, and I'm your host today for The Connected Hospital. Today, we have uh, with us Dr. Harlan Beverly, and Harlan is a lecturer at the University of Texas. He's also the assistant director of the Texas Venture Lab there at the University of Texas. And if that's not enough, he's an entrepreneur, he's an author. In fact, he's got a new book out just recently, and uh, he's an expert on artificial intelligence. So we're going to spend some time today talking about artificial intelligence, try to understand what it is how we're impacted with it today, where where do we interact with it, and then really what are the implications for healthcare? Um, As we start looking at new technologies like artificial intelligence, we want to understand are there implications, are there things that we need to be aware of, Um, and then how do we really uh, make sure that we understand it fully so that when we deploy something like artificial intelligence, we've taken care of our patients. For most consumers, the search for a healthcare provider is a frustrating maze of bewildering choices and unanswered questions. And they really want to hear what other patients have to say in order to make a decision with confidence. With Loyal's Empower Solution, you have the tools to do just that. Empower your patients, the patient, and provide a solution. Maximizing star ratings while introducing deeper insights into what patients really are saying about their experience. You could sort, approve, and publish patient reviews of physicians, services, and even practices using some of the intelligent features like auto-approval and syntax highlighting. To learn more, visit them online at loyalhealth.com. Okay, so here we are today. Um, today we're, uh, we're going to be talking with Dr. Harlan Beverly, and uh, really excited to have uh, him here with us today. We're going to be talking about a, an interesting topic in the healthcare space, and that's artificial intelligence. Um, but uh, so first of all, thanks, uh, Harlan, for being with us. We appreciate you being here. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. So uh, why don't you, uh, why don't you start out, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and uh, kind of let folks get to know who you are. Okay, sure. So um, I am Harlan Beverly. I'm a uh, lot of things. I'm an engineer. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, I'm a professor. Um, and, uh, a family guy too. So don't forget that important piece of life. That's right. Um, so kind of quick, quick rundown as a, um, as a technologist and engineer, I actually write software, uh, using a variety of, uh, software, uh, tools, including, um, some of the popular ones for artificial intelligence, uh, Python, uh, being primary as well as JavaScript and many others. Um, so I code, um, I used to be a chip designer, so I've, I've been an engineer for a really long time and, um, kind of a funny thing, I kind of got disillusioned with being an engineer for a while because I didn't understand, you know, why Why did we do things? Why were we doing this? Why were we building this? Um, so I got into the business world and uh, became an entrepreneur. So uh, that led to a career about 15 years of uh, starting companies and um, growing them and then selling them. And I have been the founder of three companies and I've sold four companies. Uh, and I actually have a company right now which is involved in artificial intelligence. It's called freebeer.ai, uh, which you know hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about a little bit more about that today. 
Um, so I also mentioned I'm a professor. So uh, I, along the way, I also got a PhD in business uh, with the sort of a focus emphasis on um, marketing and entrepreneurship and um, how do we how do we sort of reach new customers? How do you create a new company from scratch and 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 find those fresh new com- uh, customers who are are looking for something new. So that's what led me to artificial intelligence because it is certainly new. It's the newest thing um, on the block and uh, lots of lots of companies are being founded around this concept of artificial intelligence and it's gotten me pretty excited um, as well. Um, so I'm, I mentioned I'm a professor, just to wrap up uh, you know, about me. So I also um, teach, I've been teaching at University of Texas for several years, just switched colleges. I'm now teaching at St. Edwards University. And my book has just hit the stands. It's actually just now available. So if people want to check out um, sort of my thoughts on creating companies, which really isn't the topic of this podcast, um, but, but the book is available on Amazon. It's called Navigating Your Way to Startup Success. So just got published. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, we'll want to make sure and I'll, I'll make sure that we have a way for folks to find that um, find that as well. So, wow. So you really are a multi-talented guy and, and uh, what an interesting transition to go from an engineer over to the business side. Um, I'm sure that was, that was kind of um, an interesting transition for you. It was, it was a dramatic shift. And, and, and what's relevant here, I think, is that people who have engineering skills and, you know, software development, sort of logical, um, you know, uh, thinking patterns and, and ability. I think that those people are going to be more and more urgently needed on the business side, which has typically been very creative um, mm-hmm. and, uh, space, especially as things become more and more automated, um, especially like, for example, artificial intelligence, automating marketing. Right. Well, you need people who can kind of know business, but who can also be technical at the same time. So uh, I think this is going to be a trend you'll see more of. Oh, that's good. Well, speaking of that, so great segue. So, um, you know, what we were going to talk about today or what I wanted to spend a little bit of time on is is really an area of your expertise. Um, and I do want to get to uh, to why you named your company the way you did. But um, once you start out, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk today and and you see this in the news, you hear it on um, even, you know, on the TV, you hear this this term artificial intelligence. Um, what is it? Why don't you maybe dispel the notions or, or give us a good idea? What is artificial intelligence? Okay. It's, it's a tough, tough call. So, um, you know, the PhD in me wants to say, this is my opinion. Uh, right. Because there is no uh, true definition of this word or what it means. And in fact, it means so many things. And that actually becomes a problem that it can be really confusing. Like, what is artificial intelligence? Well, it's, it's a whole host of things. Everything from very simple, like anything we might automate. Right. Um, so anything you could just do automatically. Um, uh, incrementing a counter is potentially artificially intelligent. Uh, generally speaking, um, there's a line at which something becomes simply an algorithm and, and becomes really artificial intelligence uh, when there's some kind of machine learning involved. Uh, that's sort of the line between an algorithm and an AI. So machine learning is uh, sort of a subset of AI where uh, the the machine, the computer, the system is learning from successes and failures and getting better at uh, the automation task, at whatever the automation is. And that's sort of one of the distinguishing things between just an algorithm and what what I like to think of as artificial intelligence. So, so an, algor- like I said, it's my an algorithm is just following the process that you design. Machine learning or or AI is, it learns and improves on itself then. 
Yes, that's right. And um, and in fact, this is a really critical uh, distinction because if machine learning weren't, uh, if machine learning were not trying to um, predict some outcome that or, or, or create some kind of useful uh, outcome, then it has no purpose and things without purpose aren't really AI. Um, so you couldn't create, let's say, a general purpose AI function unless it needed to do something. Okay. Um, and so generally speaking, the hardest things to do are prediction. So how do we predict what would be the best X, whatever X might be, you know, in the medical field, how do we predict what might be the best treatment, for example, uh, based on a variety of inputs. And then the learning part comes in when you try, you, you, you take the suggestion of the, the machine, you apply the, the treatment and it succeeds or fails. And then hopefully the success, it's hopefully success, in which case it reinforces the positive pattern. But if it's a failure, then it tries to, the the system should automatically, this is what AI does, automatically kind of adjust its algorithms based on this fact that this case failed. And what was special about that case? You know, maybe the person had, you know, O negative, I don't know, some kind of special blood type. And that was the reason that, 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 that treatment didn't work as well, but it doesn't, but you don't know what's going on other than that it learned, it learned from the failures and the successes. Oh, okay. Well, you know, it's funny because it, this this almost starts leading into this idea that you, and I guess that you really have to blame it on TV and movies that AI is, you know, the robot's going to take over the world because they're so smart now, they've, they're going to figure out how to annihilate us. But really, AI isn't that. Um, AI isn't that level of learning, right? It certainly could be. Um, <laughs> it's not today. Uh, but the, the more things that you allow the machine to decide for you and the more suggestions that you take from the machine then yeah it can get a little scary if i'm totally honest um i actually think there's another thing that people sometimes get confused about ai and that is uh natural language processing which is again another subset of ai um because it's a hard problem that uh ai has a tendency to do well with natural language processing some people think ai is nlp in other words what is nlp natural language processing is when you talk to a machine in your human voice like with, with like you and i are talking now and the machine understands what we're saying and uh, can interpret that and uh, and do something with it that is not necessarily uh uh, AI. AI is more than that. It, 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 in fact, NLP, natural language processing, might be AI or it might not. If there's a if there's an algorithm that is self-learning, then in, under my definitions, I would call it yes AI. But if it's not really a self-learning algorithm and it's just, for example, pattern matching of you know uh, syllab- syllabi syllabuses, uh, uh, consonants and vowels, then um, then it's really not AI. So most NLP today is in fact AI and is in fact learning. Um, based on uh, lots and lots of data, uh, w- when people say you know R, they're meaning the word A R E and not the letter R, for example. Right. So that that has been learned by the natural language processing AI. But when you talk to your uh, uh, Alexa device, you know that isn't necessarily all that AI is. AI is much more than that, including things that can't talk or talk back. Okay, so so that's a great that's a great um, example. I, I'm I'm sure that there's folks that are using AI today that may not even realize they're using it. But you bring up one as an example is Alexa. Um, what are what are some of the examples like in our day to day life where we're actually encountering AI? Sure, and you know Alexa is a is an interesting example only in that it is almost barely 
AI. It's very close to not being AI at all, um, uh, <laughs> which is interesting. But the reason is that Alexa it just sort of is very algorithmic. It just responds to your requests. The only part of the AI of Alexa is really the the ability to understand human language, which um, and and break down your sentences into actions. And once those actions have been described. Uh, to Alexa, AI stops. She's no longer predicting for you uh, things. I got it. Um, okay. I say she- <laughs> so it's interesting um, because the actual more useful applications of AI that you probably don't even recognize necessarily are, in fact, one of the most interesting one is marketing. So, um, for example, when you go to Amazon homepage, you're getting confronted with an AI. Um, uh, the AI has taken a wide variety of your prior uh, viewing history, purchase history, personality, all kinds of things to display a homepage at Amazon.com that's unique to you. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's, it's no longer just algorithmic. They actually have learning loops because if they show you things that you don't click on, then they learn a little bit more about you by your action and inaction. And, the, and that that AI actually gets better at showing you offers you might purchase. It's a little bit scary, but it but it actually works really well for marketing. That includes everything from like web page web pages to emails, uh, email marketing that you might get. Right, uh, is now very much AI driven. Yeah. So when you suddenly get that email about the Ginsu knives when you were out searching for them earlier, it's probably been driven by that. It's learned that pattern. Correct. That's probably AI involved. It, you know, again, the line between what is an algorithm, what is an AI, for me, the difference is really just the self-learning piece. And I, I happen to know that, that Amazon does have a self-learning piece built hmm. back, built into it. Interesting. What about something like Siri? Siri, again, is, is more natural language processing, I assume. Um, is there AI built into that or is it kind of the same as an Alexa? It's very much like an Alexa. It is not. Um, it is not very AI driven. Uh, however, there are some other th- pieces of Apple's software that is AI. Um, for for example, when you uh, open an email with uh, with a calendar invite. Mm-hmm. Or even just with some dates in it, it will sometimes extract those dates and offer to create a calendar uh, element for you. That is some AI happening. Uh, okay. Very, very. Start trying to predict the fact that you might want to create a calendar event. Um, so that's built into both Google and uh, uh, Apple um, devices. Siri, like you said, it, it is very. It is. It could be AI. The the thing that kind of makes it not AI very much is because it's not reaching out to you. If Siri would talk to you when when you didn't talk to it first. That that's when I would say it's definitely AI. Okay, um, but, but but it's not. It's not being proactive. Uh, but I think it's not long. It, it will be very soon, to where you're walking down the street, and Siri, having been configured, so will tell you. By the way, if you walk into the Starbucks today, you know you get a free coffee. Like right. that's coming. <laughs> yeah, that's and I think that's where where the confusion with AI and sometimes, frankly, the scariness gets. Right? Is it you, you start thinking about where it knows what you're doing and it's predicting. Um, which, you know, like you said, there's a little bit of a scary component to it, but the reality is, um, it's also got a lot of benefits from productivity and and things like that. Hey everybody, this is Reed Smith. And this is Chris Boyer. And we are co-hosts on a show called Touchpoint, which is a podcast that's dedicated to the discussions on digital marketing and online patient engagement strategies, not only for just hospitals, but health systems and physician practices. 
In every episode, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on digital tools, solutions, strategies, and other things that are impacting the healthcare industry today. And while you listen to this show, we would certainly love you to check out ours. All you have to do is swing on over to touchpoint.health for more information, and also some of the other shows that are featured on the Touchpoint Media Network. You know, of course, this is a, this is a healthcare podcast. Um, what about AI in the hospital? What are you are are you seeing particular applications that are already using or are well suited to AI? Yes, I think there are a number of interesting applications for AI um, in the hospital and the pharmacy, which I don't I think is a probably a faster adoption path mm-hmm. um, because uh, you know people make mistakes in pharmacies that AI could catch. Um, the ability to, for example, have a machine that watches the pills that get put into various, uh, you know, containers and making sure it's the right pills and the right dosage, like that's, that's possible. And in fact, some big healthcare uh, companies are, are looking at that technology right now to use computer vision and AI to determine um, if the right pills are being put in the right hmm. uh, containers. So that's a great application of AI because being able to see and understand that this that what that this pill is a specific kind of pill from all different angles actually requires artificial intelligence f- to understand so so that it learns and gets better at knowing that this is the correct kind of pill. Um, so that that anytime that has the sort of learning loop, that's when you can think, okay, AI is, is a good application. That's a little bit distinctly different though than decision support that you see in a lot of EHRs today, where you select a particular medication um, that has a an allergy interaction with another medication, you know, today that they're popping up and telling you, hey, don't prescribe that. And here's another alternative. That's not really AI, right? That's more algorithmic, just it's built in. Yeah, I think that that's algorithmic um, because it doesn't have a a, a neural network learning loop. And we probably don't want one there because, um, you know, (laughs) it would it would require uh, failures. And that's a situation right. where we actually don't want failures. Um, even though they happen, we really don't want that to be the case. And we'd rather just have experts, you know, sort of programming, programmatically putting that in. On the other hand, you know, treatment recommendations um, is an area that I think uh, AI could could get involved in. Um, and, uh, it, you know, when especially trying to do make diagnosis, uh, th- th- there's so much data that and the, the the one thing to think about AI that makes it beautiful is you, no amount you can put as much data in as you want, and and all you're trying to get is you know a very small data out like one like yes do this or don't do that right like that that that's great for AI and in the case of trying to make a diagnosis you've got all this rich data you've got you know height weight you know, blood pressure, all these things, plus maybe even like neural scans and like CT scans, who knows what all you have. And you could put all that data into an AI and say, hey, give me, give me some, uh, and, and by the way, you train an AI. I don't know, we, we haven't really talked about this yet, but you, 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 you train an AI. So it doesn't start from nothing. You actually give it a whole bunch of this data and you give it the correct treatment uh, to start with. And so that starts the training. And then once the training is done, then what you can do is give it that a whole bunch of data from a different patient that would then make a recommendation for a treatment as, and, and that would be based on the prior recommendations that you made. And, and, and it really could be really effective at helping, um, with diagnosis and treatment options. Well, so that, now that, that brings up, that's kind of interesting because that brings up another point in another, another tool that I've used in hospitals and, and, um, you know, have have been familiar with is 
what I would call predictive analytics. Um, predictive analytics takes in obviously massive amounts of data and tries to make predictions, you know, based on patterns. Um, what's the difference there in AI? Actually, that is AI. Uh, and okay, so that would that's another form of it. Okay, yeah, and our smart devices, our smart watches uh, that are monitoring our heart rate, things like this, those things um, can already do predictive analytics based on uh, you know your, your your health, your health status, you know your blood sugar status. There's all kinds of interesting things that are already, and, and there are uh, tools right now that you can buy um, to help you with, for example, blood sugar control that in fact do use this predictive analytics to do AI. And in fact, the whole category of predicting predictive analytics, I would put that into the bucket of artificial intelligence. Okay. So see, I think that's a great point that folks that are listening will get from that is, especially if you're new to the AI world and you've just heard that term, are we doing AI? Well, it could be you've heard predictive analytics, but didn't realize you were, you were already in the artificial intelligence space. So that that's great. Um, so where do you where do you see this going in the future? What do you what do you see kind of next in the healthcare space around AI? Well, we we talked already about sort of diagnosis uh, and treatment. I think there's another category that this opens up, which is at home care, uh, because uh, like we said, you know, with the smart devices, um, with the ability for uh, potential scalability and 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 reduce reducing costs of healthcare. You know, some of these algorithms could be a first line of defense. You know, hey, we you, know, you, you have these symptoms, you should take a Benadryl. You know, uh, okay, but take a Benadryl because it, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a medical doctor. That is, but you know, I understand that you know taking a Benadryl um, can help reduce you know it, it, potential allergic reaction. So that that could be a, an example of an at-home AI, you know, medical assistant that's, you know, or Hey, maybe it says, Hey, you know what, based on your symptoms, your pain in your arm and tightness of, you know, chest and shortness of breath, you need to get to a ER right now and don't drive yourself <laughs> uh, because you might be having a heart attack. Right. So it, I think this at-home predictive health and maybe even, um, you know, an AI health advisor uh, is something that, that could be really, really, life life changing and life saving. Yeah, that's that's a great point. You know, the that exact type of tool has been around for a while, but it's it honestly they're not that great, right? They're just they're just really more information if you have these things. Um there 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 have been symptom checkers, you know, you go online and you say I have pelly, uh pain in my belly and it's radiating through my back or whatever and it may say, "Well, you may have one of three things or five things, call your doctor." What you're talking about is getting a lot more prescriptive and actually initiating action on their part instead of just being a passive lookup. Exactly. And I might mix the two types of AI together and put some natural language processing AI so that it understands human speech right? and combine that with some machine learning such that it's getting better at making these predictions about your potential diagnosis. Um, uh, you know, especially when you get at home use, um, you know, the, the, num- the, the amount of data points you could get ought to be able to make the accuracy go way, way up. Yeah. You know, cause as you integrate wearables and, and all these other pieces of technology now, I would think you're right. I was going to mention, um, you said that, you know, making decisions, um, means you have to make, bad decisions occasionally, or you have to risk failure. And that's not usually a great thing in healthcare, right? Healthcare, we're, um, we're really kind of against that idea. 
Um, so which, which I personally believe is what slows down the technology cycle in healthcare um, than it does in other industries because the failure can be devastating. Do you see any other dangers with AI in the healthcare space or things that people need to be considering when they, when they start down this journey of, hey, I want to get into the AI space? Yeah, there's a lot of interesting, um, well, challenges that come up when you start to, you know, put computers somewhere in the mix of uh, critical, you know, uh, healthcare systems, um, because they're computers, they have potential vulnerabilities, um, you know, potential rootkit type, you know, hacking. So, for example, I could, I personally couldn't, but someone might be able to hack uh, into a system and say, uh, you know, anyone who has a certain, you know, ethnic or racial background will will be will mistreat them. Like that's a potential hack that someone could do, and that's yeah. very scary. So, um, uh, you know, wh- whatever they decide, whatever a hacker might decide to do, but that that's the that's one of the risks when you put this. And so, um, it's no not that different from a risk that happens from the AI making a bad decision it's just changes the statistics probably um so i think part of mitigating all of that is keeping a human in the mix um some some you know very skilled nurse nurse practitioner or doctor who uh, who also gets the final stamp um uh, especially when it comes to treatment um you know think that's a really important piece and it will help catch some of those things the other uh the other risk i think is just having people be potentially get access to your data and um and 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 so that could you know lead to all kinds of issues you know insurance and privacy concerns and all kinds of uh, you know complications there yeah i think that's obviously and that's been a you know that's a big part of where i got my gray hair is um security and privacy right because there's so many um, regulations around that and the exposure. So I, I, that's a good point. That that really has to be accounted for. And I also want to remind. I'm sure all your listeners know this already, but you know the insurance industries, uh, the insurance companies have a big say in what happens in the healthcare world, and um, that that is something we have to keep our hands you know, closely, our eyes and hands closely involved in looking at and holding on to because the, the, there's, there's potential risk for insurance companies to reject treatments or reject doctor's opinions if the AI says otherwise. And that Hmm. is interesting. Yeah. Some ethical, ethical concerns for sure. Well, you know, this, this is really, this is really interesting. So what, um, as as you think about a, a CIO or an IT team, especially, um, that's maybe thinking about this. Are there some places that you would recommend they start or particular books you recommend they read to to kind of get started to understand this at more depth? Um, yeah, I, I, I think for me, the, the, the place to get started is uh, looking at some of the things that are already be already available. Um, I think it's just f- faster and more practical to learn about AI and healthcare, when you look at some of the services and companies that are already out there and offering things, so you can get a sense. And I, I think um, looking at those uh, current offerings and services and then think and then applying those sort of those three questions, you know, how are you going to protect me from hackers? How are you going to keep my data uh private and how are you going to make sure humans are in the loop? And if, and if the company offering that service can't answer those three questions or they haven't thought about them, you know, I'd, I'd be really concerned. And that's sort of how I think I would start if I were, um, you know, evaluating this stuff um, or, you know, trying to get ramped up on this. 
because there are a number of uh, currently available, you know, healthcare uh, AI uh, providers, and um, there are things you can that can be automated, you know, automated and algorithmic and self-learning uh, today. Okay, so and so maybe even as you say, start start smaller too, right? Maybe try something first and and get your arms around something that already exists, but get a get a flavor for how it works before you try to go bigger, perhaps. Exactly. And figure out how it fits into your overall, the overall uh, experience and, and process, because just throwing something in is almost always a bad idea, but, but, but integrating something such that it can help. Uh, I think that's the right way to look at AI today. It's too early to just throw it in there and replace a human. So have, have, I, I think, yeah, what I would say is probably is at, have a specific business goal or, or patient care goal that you're trying to solve. Don't just go get it for, get it for getting sake, right? Um, try to have some reason that you want to implement it and spe- uh, set some measurable goals for what you want to accomplish. So, well, this has been, this has been great. You know, we're already, uh, we're already kind of at the end of our time and I want to, I want to respect your time. I sure appreciate you coming on today. And um, I, first of all, hope you'll come back um, love to talk some more. I think we could. Uh, I think we could dig into this stuff in in more detail and maybe some specific uh, use cases at some point. So this has been really fascinating. Um, so as we close out, where where could people go um, to hear more from you? Is there a, you have a Twitter handle? You got a web page? Anything like that? Yeah, I do. So um, you can hit my web web page. It's at uh, fastai.com, F-A-S-T-A-I.com. Or you can check out my company, freebeer.ai. And um, by the way, what we do is we help people find free beer in their area (laughs) with a predictive algorithm that um, tries to look at events that are happening near you and predict if there's going to be beer there or not. So, you know, that's a really useful skill if you love beer. (laughs) Well, actually, I was going to say that should be wildly successful once that word gets out. So <laughs> yeah. that's great. Well, um, great. Well, we'll we'll post some more information for folks as well. And um, we again, I appreciate you being on, uh, Doctor Heverly. And if you uh, if you want to learn more, you can go to fastai.com uh, or freebeer.com and and uh, get some more information. Um, thank you again, Doctor Beverly. We appreciate you being on. All right. Thanks so much. This show is made possible in part by the Social Health Institute. Through research and partnerships with healthcare organizations around the country, the Social Health Institute explores new and innovative ways for hospitals, healthcare organizations to develop and enhance their social media and digital marketing strategy. To learn more about the Social Health Institute, visit them online at socialhealthinstitute.com. That's socialhealthinstitute.com. Hope you'll continue to come back rate the program, review it, uh, let folks know about it, and and uh, we'll bring you some great, uh, great conversations. And if you have some things you want to hear in particular, let us know, and we'll be happy to, uh, to try to get those guests or get those particular topics on board. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.